hour of power. The Terry and Jesse show. My partner's doing awesome. He's doing some apostolic work as he's always doing. Got a lot to talk to you about today. You're going to be very motivated because the first segment, I'm going to get deep into St. Timothy, uh, St. Titus, St. Paul, a lot of scripture because St. Paul's letters to these two young bishops were very motivational, very encouraging. And so I want to just soak in some of the the words of St. Paul to to Bishop Timothy and Bishop Titus. Uh, Also, we're going to be talking about in the last segment, there's a powerful video by Dr. Jordan Peterson where he talks about certain things that all men should uh, embrace in their life, Thir- things that men got to do uh, to be uh, to be successful and have a better pu- future. So it's 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 personal success we're going to talk about in the last segment, and I'm going to show you the way it completely is congruent with our Catholic faith. Also, want to talk about today. Um, a couple of other items that I want to talk about is where do the bishops stand around the world on blessings for homosexual couples on fiducia supplicans? <clears throat> There's been an international hue and cry and pushback like we've never seen in the history of Roman Catholicism over this document. So we're going to talk about the... Uh, uh, the brave bishops all over the world, and a lot of them are putting their jobs on the line, uh, their, their vocations, should I say, or their office, because we know that Pope Francis, he has no problem canceling somebody with a phone call. I think uh, the number is up to, in, in 11 years of being the Pope, we're close to 40 people, bishops and or priests, that have been canceled by a phone call by Pope Francis. So, uh, yeah, anybody who speaks, uh, speaks against uh, the party line or what we would call the Francis Magisterium, <laughs> or uh, they're, uh, they, they can uh, they can lose their office. Also, we're going to talk about when democracy in the, is in the hands of an immoral majority. What happens? Voila! Take a look. <clears throat> United States of America, two thousand twenty-four. By the way, if you like what you hear, you can support the show by sharing the full link at vmpr.org. You can also find us on social media at VMP Radio, and our YouTube channel called Full Sheen Ahead. You can share us with your friends and evangelize everyone you love. The month of, the month of January is dedicated to the holy name of Jesus. So let's remember that uh, the month of January, also the, the liturgical vestments are green. Green is a, is a symbol of uh, hope. It's the color of sprouting seeds. And it arouses in the faithful the hope of reaping the eternal harvest in heaven one day, especially the hope of a glorious resurrection. Okay, time to jump into God's word. And I want to share a whole lot of things about today, the feast day of St. Timothy and St. Titus. Pray for us. Both of these, St. Paul, St. Timothy, St. Titus, and yourself, because you're baptized and confirmed, but specifically, these three men, they were called by Christ and they were sent by Christ to preach and proclaim uh, the gospel of Jesus Christ and make it known to, to all nations. And, uh, and now today, think about it, St. Paul, St. Timothy, St. Titus, where are they at right now? They're reigning with Christ. And so, come my fellow Christians, follow Christ this day. Take up your cross and run. 
Run that race and you shall win a shining crown that shall outshine even the sun one day. St. Paul tells Timothy in Second Timothy chapter 1, verse 8, one of my favorite verses, he says, Do not be ashamed of your testimony to our Lord, not of me, a prisoner for his sake. Oh, no, nor of me, excuse me, nor of me, a prisoner for his sake. But bear your share of hardship for the gospel with the strength that comes from God. The word of the Lord. Evangelization is not an easy task. Let's just be honest. But uh, St. Timothy and St. Titus with their mentor, St. Paul, they, they, they experienced rejection, obviously, just like you and I experienced rejection when you try to evangelize the hard-hearted. They experienced rejection. They experienced dis discouragement. But they also had joy in proclaiming the triumph of Jesus Christ, dead and resurrected. And in building up the church in his name. There's also, even in the midst of the struggle, there's a sense of joy because you know that you're doing the right thing. And if nobody else is looking, God is looking. And it feels really, it, feel, it feels good. It gives you an incredible rush of joy and sense of joy when you know that you're doing the right thing. Let me share with you Psalm 43. Oh, send forth your light and your truth. Let these be my guide. Let them bring me to your holy mountain, to the place where you dwell. And I will come to the altar of God, the God of my joy. This is the, this is the prayer that's said in the Latin Mass when the priest uh, ascends the altar. My Redeemer, I will thank you on the harp. Oh God, my God, why are you cast down my soul? Why groan within me? Hope in God. I will praise him still, my Savior and my God. Let me read what St. Paul says to Timothy. This is totally inspirational. 2 Timothy chapter 1, verse 9 through 13. God saved us and called us to a holy life, not according to our works, but according to his own design and the grace bestowed on us in Christ Jesus before time began. But now made manifest through the appearance of our Savior Christ Jesus, who destroyed death and brought life and immortality to light through the gospel. For which I was appointed preacher, says Paul, an apostle and teacher. On this account, I am suffering these things, but I'm not ashamed. He's telling Timothy. He made Timothy the bishop of Ephesus. Timothy was a bishop of Ephesus. Titus was a bishop of Crete, ordained by St. Paul. And St. Paul tells Timothy, but I am not ashamed, for I know him. For I know him in whom I have beloved and believed and I'm confident that he is able to guard what has been entrusted to me until that day. Take as, as your norm the sound words that you heard from me in faith and love that are in Jesus Christ. <clears throat> There's something about the words of the 13 letters of St. Paul in the New Testament that I'm telling you, it, it, it's no wonder that... Uh, at the Holy Mass, uh, the liturgy is peppered with the words of St. Paul. There's no more inspirational teacher outside of Jesus Christ and St. Paul, bar none. And our Lord Jesus Christ, whose inspiration par excellence, says in John 13, 16, Amen, amen, I say to you, no slave is greater than his master, nor any messenger greater than the one who sent him. Close quote. So if Jesus Christ was persecuted 
What do you think is going to happen to us? But we counted joy. We have to be like Isaiah the prophet, Isaiah chapter 6, verse 8. The Bible says, I heard the voice of the Lord saying, Whom shall I send? Who will go for us? Here I am, Lord. I said, send me. That's what Titus and Timothy said when they heard the call and they were ordained by St. Paul. And St. Paul, that's what he said when he heard the call. Here I am, Lord, send me. As Catholics, let's pray for the intercessions of St. Timothy and St. Titus. And I want to pray because uh, the church is in need of a lot of prayer right now. And so I pray in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Lord, you've called many to live and preach and to preach the good news of salvation. Keep all your followers faithful to the message they receive from you. Send forth your light and your truth, Lord. You've called men and women from every walk of life to bear witness to you. Sustain them in the midst of opposition and fill them with your joy. Send forth your light and your truth. Lord, you've chosen from among your followers, bishops, priests, and deacons. Fill them with holy zeal and eloquence in proclaiming your word. Send forth your light and your truth. O God, you will the salvation of all peoples. Send dedicated disciples, zealous preachers, and selfless servants of charity into the world for our redemption. Through Christ our Lord. Amen. In the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Yeah, both both St. Timothy and St. Titus, they were close collaborators in St. Paul's missionary journeys, and they continued his work among the Gentiles. As I said, Titus, who the Bible says in 2 Corinthians 8.23, was St. Paul's partner and co-worker. He went to Crete. He was the bishop of Crete. He was charged with evangelizing the inhabitants who the Cretans were known to be, quote, liars, vicious beasts, and lazy gluttons, close quote. Sounds like modern-day America. (laughs) And Timothy, who St. Paul made a bishop as well, He's mentioned by St. Paul in 1 Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 2. St. Paul says to Timothy, quote, brother and co-worker for God in the gospel of Christ Jesus. St. Timothy served as bishop of Ephesus, and according to a tradition, he became bishop and was martyred by pagans during the festival honoring the false god Dionysius, who was a demon. And so St. Paul, St. Timothy, and St. Titus, they told, they, they proclaimed the name of the Lord amongst the nations, and they proclaimed his wonders amongst all the peoples that they encountered. For the Lord is great and highly to be praised. O God, who, who adorned St. Timothy and Titus with apostolic virtues, grant through their intercession of them both, give us, Lord, the grace to be on fire for Jesus and his holy gospel. We pray this in the name of the Father, Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Up next, want to talk about where the bishops stand on blessings for homosexual couples. Stick around. Psalm 96, proclaim God's marvelous deeds to all the nations. 
Want to talk? By the way, this uh, segment is brought to you by Tan Books. Go to vmpr.org and click on, on the Tan Books logo to shop for all your Catholic book needs. Shop Tan Books by clicking on the logo on your website, vmpr.org. So, <clears throat> where do bishops stand on blessings for homosexual couples? Catholic prelates across the world are divided in their stance on the highly controversial document Fiducia Supplicans from the Vatican. So, Catholic bishops are divided in their stance regarding the offering of blessings to same-sex couples following the December 18th decree approving of such blessings issued by Pope Francis and Cardinal Victor Manuel Fernandez. So, within the horizon outlined here appears a possibility. It says here in paragraph 31, paragraph 31 of Fiducia Supplicans. Within the horizon outlined here appears the possibility of blessings for couples in irregular situations and for couples of the same sex, the form of which should not be fixed ritually by ecclesial authorities to avoid producing confusion with the blessing proper to the sacrament of marriage. Well, this was issued by Cardinal Fernandez as, as head of the CDF, now the DDF. Uh, the text in which the Vatican approved of blessings for same-sex couples was the result of a private project between the pair. Pope Francis and Cardinal Fernandez. So since it's shock, bishops and bishops' conferences around the world have been swift to issue responses. Some have been firm in opposing the text as a departure from tradition and an attempt to bless that which cannot be blessed. Others have warmly welcomed the text as a necessary measure. The great majority have fallen into, into a middle ground, accepting the text as a natural course of action given its, given its Vatican origin, highlighting particular passages from it in order to affirm the church's teaching on marriage, but avoiding making mention of subsequent passage that approve of same-sex blessings in an apparent attempt to avoid controversy. So, I think the first ones that pushed back was Africa. Individual countries in Africa, and I'll, I'll go through some of them, they pushed back very strongly on this, on this uh, decree. And you also have the bishops' conferences of Northern Africa who, uh, who express an, an openness uh, to, to say that this, is, this irregular situation, these blessings of an irregular union, uh, are going to cause confusion. And so they're not interested in participating in this. Also, a growing number of bishops have taken the striking move of, of opposing the Vatican issuing approval for same-sex blessings, outlining the Catholic teaching on blessings and homosexuality while doing so. For example, uh, Angola and Sao Tome, you have uh, uh, these two countries, those bishops, those two countries, they, uh, they said that this will create a huge scandal. You also have the bishops in the ecclesiastical province of Antilles and French Guinea that uh, are pushing back against fiducia supplicans. In Argentina, one of Cardinal Fernandez's predecessors as Archbishop of La Plata, Archbishop Hector Aguirre, has continued his robust criticism of Pope Francis by writing, fiducia supplicans should not be obeyed. And again, he, he noted the CDF's 2021 ban on same-sex blessings, 
where it says, quote, that a homosexual couple cannot be blessed because God cannot bless sin. That is the truth. Every blessing implies God's complacency in the person or the object bless. You also have the Australian confraternity of Catholic clergy. They followed the lead of their counterparts in Britain and in the U.S. issuing a statement uh, pushing back strongly against this document. Also in Brazil, as highlighted by Mesa in Latino, Brazil's bishop, Adar Jose Guimaraes, he says that he would not adopt fiducia supplicans. And uh, this bishop from Brazil added that he would soon be providing a document for the diocese on a way forward in light of the confusion caused by the Vatican's texts. Also, uh, the bishop's conference for the two countries of Burkina Faso and Niger, they also have pushed back. They said that the word of God disapproves of homosexuality as an abomination, so they've ruled out blessings for same-sex couples. Also in Cameroon, probably one of the strongest responses was from the bishops of Cameroon. They said, we formally forbid all blessing of homosexual couples in the church of Cameroon. Over in Hong Kong as well, Hong Kong's beloved Cardinal Joseph Zen Emeritus, he issued a strong rebuttal to fiducia supplicans on his personal website. He also condemned Cardinal Fernandez referencing of good in the same-sex relationships and called for him to resign as a result. In Hungary, those bishops, they put out a statement. They firmly ruled out the possibility of accepting fiducia supplicans in the country. Uh, also, the Diocese of Zombathli, Bishop Janos Zekli, he issued his own statement where, where he says... Uh, He's directed his priest not to perform such blessings. Also in the Ivory Coast, you have Bishop Marceline Kadau, president of the nation's bishops' conference. He instructed all the clergy to refrain from the blessing of same-sex couples. Also in Kazakhstan, no surprise, from the Archdiocese of St. Mary in Astana, you have Archbishop Thomas Pita, and the well-known auxiliary bishop, Thomas uh, Bishop Athanasius Snyder, they issued a, a, a statement declaring that this document is a great deception and, uh, and uh, that no permission will be given for priests to bless couples in irregular situations. You also have the, Arch, the Archdiocese of Nairobi in Kenya. They're pushing back. Archbishop Philo... Philip Agnolo, he wrote to the diocese, he says, homosexual unions are against reason. So he's saying any form of blessings of same-sex unions would be scandalous to the faithful. In the diocese of Woti, Bishop Jairu, he issued a stern rejection of blessings for same-sex couples as well, stating that the document should re be rejected in totality. In the, in the country of Malawi, the bishop's conference issued a statement instructing to avoid creating confusion amongst the faithful. We direct for pastoral reasons, the blessings of any kind and for same sex unions of any kind are not permitted in the Netherlands in a very carefully worded statement. The Dutch bishop's conference, they, uh, they also wrote that, that, uh, that they would bless individuals, but that they would not bless couples. Homosexual couples won't do that. Individuals, yes. In Peru, Bishop Rafael Lopez, 
He says that fiducia supplicans damages the communion of the church. And he said it's not going to happen in his diocese. Also, the diocese of Poland is pushed back. The Polish Bishop's Conference are said, nope, uh, we're, we're not going to implement fiducia supplicans here. Rwanda, the African Bishop's Conference in Rwanda, they've also warned how same-sex blessings would confuse people about the sacrament of marriage. It's not, he said it's not possible for the church to bless such marriages or unions. Even the Russian Orthodox Church, Metropolitan Hilarion of the Russian Orthodox said same-sex blessings were dangerous due to the message that they would send that the church approves of this lifestyle, of this type of sexual behavior. He warned that such blessings would prevent people from discovering the authentic teachings regarding the prohibition of homosexual activity. In Spain, 157 Spanish priests have, uh, have they're calling on, on Pope Francis to annul fiducia supplicans. 157 Spanish priests. You also have the Society of St. Pius X. They've also issued statements that this document uh, is, a, is scandalous. It's going to cause deliberate confusion in the church. And so uh, they, uh, they've also said that you can't, call God, you can't call down God's blessings on sinful unions. By doing so, it actually reinforces these situations of sin. Good statement by the SSPX. Switzerland, the diocese of, of Chur, the bishop uh, Eleganti, he 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 also he is actually condemning Pope Francis and Cardinal Fernandez's move. He's saying the so-called magisterium of Francis, which is presented as something new and unprecedented in contrast to tradition, he says uh, we're not going to implement that document. Same with Togo. The Catholic bishops of Togo also joined the, the growing protest from Africa. They wrote that fiducia supplicans will not be implemented in their diocese. In the UK, the Confraternity of Catholic Clergy, over 500 Catholic priests have issued a paper against fiducia supplicans, and they've reiterated that they've condemned this practice. Also, you have uh, the trans transalpine redemptorists. It's a traditional community of redemptors in the very north of Scotland. They also wrote that they're concerned about this document and they agree with people like Cardinal Mueller, Archbishop Vigano, that this is something that cannot be implemented. It's deeply offensive to our Lord and our Savior. Also, the Ukrainian Greek Catholic says, nope, this fiducia supplicans, this, this is wrong and we're not going to implement this. We Greek Orthodox, we don't bless sinful arrangements also you got in the u.s the confraternity of catholic clergy they've also they united with 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 a joint statement that they're concerned that they're and they said that the confraternity of catholic clergy i know many of them here in the u.s they are not going to cooperate with this evil uh you got the archdiocese of philadelphia archbishop charles chapu also came out against it you got the byzantine eparchy of parma spoke out against it in the diocese of rapid city in sioux fall uh, the bishop peter muhich and bishop donald de grude they also said that uh, that won't be implemented over there the diocese of tyler texas formerly which when bishop strickland was there he, he called for a united voice to reject the vatican document uh, in uruguay the cardinal there condemned fiducia supplicans 
And in the Vatican, Cardinal Gerhard Mueller, he wrote that the blessings of homosexual couples constitute blasphemy and that the document is self-contradictory. Who else came out against it? You also have Cardinal Robert Seurat has spoken out strongly against it. The former papal nuncio to the U.S., Archbishop Carlo Maria Vigano, has also come out against it very, very strongly. Uh, the African bishops of Zambia, they're rejecting this document as well. The bishops of Zambia. And uh, you also have, uh, again, there's, there's an international hue and cry. I think Pope Francis... He's got a, a public relations nightmare in his hand. Pray for the church. Pray for Pope Francis. Pray that he gets this document and takes it to a shredder and, uh, and shreds it in a thousand pieces. Up next, we're going to talk about democracy in the hands of an immoral majority. Stick around. We'll be right back. This segment is brought to you by Charity Mobile. When shopping for a phone company, why not choose one that is pro-life? Call 877-474-3662 and mention Virgin Most Powerful Radio to support the show. What happens when democracy is in the hands of an immoral majority, like right now? Is there a solution when society's corrupt? Think about after the election debacle of 2020. I don't want to use another word. I don't want to get uh, <clears throat> I don't want to get fanged here. But after the election debacle of 2020, we would do well to learn from the mistakes of our brothers in Italy. Quite some time ago, the Italian Parliament voted to overturn prison sentences for politicians convicted of receiving illegal campaign contributions. It was determined that illegal contributions to political campaigns were simply civil offenses and not crimes as the previous law had laid out. As a result, those convicted would only be fined and not imprisoned. All the nation's parties, communists and pro-autonomy members of the Northern League alike, joined members of corruption-tainted parties to get the law approved. Political contributions are no longer legal, as long as they're used exclusively to finance election campaigns. The new law was retroactive and benefited defendants. The Italian law is an example showing how campaign finance is a very real problem plaguing so many modern nations. Given the possibility of corruption, it is often asked if it is licit to finance candidates. In principle, a rich man or corporate businessman who pays large sums of money to finance the political campaign of a politician with ideas similar to his own should not be censured for it. Indeed, a man who can financially help elect a candidate with a platform capable of saving his country would show great stinginess if he failed to do so. In fact, a rich man donating to get a poor one elected is not dishonest. It can even be considered an act of virtue. Well, this changes. However, when a businessman supports a presidential candidate for reasons other than ideological affinity, if he finances a politician's campaign so that he can receive kickbacks and, and business contracts later, then their agreement is spurious. The matter becomes worse when the kickbacks involve companies that are not cost efficient. 
An agreement of this kind transforms an act of idealism into a corrupt deal and is therefore illicit. Furthermore, the businessman can exact from the state a much higher price than would a competitor who did not help elect the candidate. Thus, by charging a disproportional price for services rendered, the deal takes on irrefutably dishonest nature. An, a, a refu- an irrefutably dishonest nature. In theory, this kind of fraud in political campaigns does not always happen. It depends on the people involved. Honest people will work for the state and the common good. Thus, one cannot draw from this an argument against a particular form of government or against the capitalist system. One can only infer that fraud can take place in a democracy a claim that can also be made against other forms of government as well. And so, dishonesty can occur in any government. It can also occur in any economic system. However, it's well to recall that communism is intrinsically evil and communist regimes turn their party members, particularly their leadership, into a privileged caste in the former Soviet society. And this became all the more obvious after the fall of, Ber- of the Berlin Wall. So, the crux of the matter is not found in any particular form of government or economic system. It lies in the degree of public morality and particularly the behavior of public officials. Any immoral act, even done if, if done individually, Affects the whole society. Like the Bible says, one sin affects everybody else in 1 Corinthians chapter 12. The fact is that such fraudulent fraudulent deals do not take place where people take God's existence seriously and really abide by his law. However, in countries whose people do not seriously believe in the existence of God or fulfill his law, a certain number may steal and benefit from goods that are not their own. That is not just an economic question, though it has an economic side. It's just not a political matter, though it has a political side. Rather, this this whole topic is fundamentally a religious and moral one. In a country without religion or morals, things necessarily move towards the complete crumbling of all economic, political, and social order. Obviously, Every kind of illegality and immorality should be categorically repressed. However, just punishing thieves will never eliminate theft. This is because the number of thieves tends to grow exponentially in a country whose population does not obey the Ten Commandments. If five thieves are arrested, the total thief population is down by five. Actually, five vacancies have been opened and 50 new candidates will pop up to fill them. The problem is fundamentally a moral one, and as such, it involves religious considerations. We have walked away from God as a country. We no longer believe that that we're one nation under God or in God we trust. So, in the semi-communist legislation of so many so-called non-communist modern nations, growing restrictions on private property are leading to a situation where the full exercise of the right of property depends on the state's authorization. For instance, 
there are countries where mineral rights, which legitimately belong to the landowner, can only be developed with the state's permission. And to obtain this permit, an honest person is often forced to jump through legislative hoops and resort to bribes to avoid indefinite procrastination. In this case, he's asked to give money to exercise a right that is legitimately his own. It is the state that steals when it unjustly limits the right of property. That's communism. Irregularities of this nature later extend to political bribes of all kinds, like we saw what Jeff DeWitt did with Kerry Lake. This behavior spreads throughout the whole population. Hence, those who pay bribes are seen as smart, while those who are not regarded as are regarded as fools. The smart ones make money. Those who do not, those who do not bribe hold property they cannot use. This is the inexorable consequences of excessive state intervention in the economy. And this is something that's promoted by Democrats, socialists, and communists. You see, thievery is made official. If honest people are asked to pay bribes, what can be said of the dishonest? Bribery spreads like an oil stain on a cloth, penetrating the entire fabric of society. At, a, at any given moment, the number of thieves becomes so high that it's practically impossible to repress crime without placing the whole nation in jail. The Italian formula mentioned, that I mentioned uh, is, is then adopted. Bribery is no longer declared a crime, but merely an infraction subject to fines. Are you kidding me? There are actually two fines, the bribe for the public official and the penalty for the state. The person's free to do what he wants. Thievery is made official. Thus, an ordinary thief who steals a car can be punished with imprisonment, whereas a politician who traffics in influence for his election campaign is not imprisoned. He just pays the fine. Since he's receiving illicit funds, everyone comes out ahead, everyone steals, and stealing becomes an official custom. When theft is thus made official, private property is doomed to extinction. When stealing becomes generalized, illicit advantages become the standard not only in doing state businesses, but in all business as well. And in such a context, honest work loses prestige and influence and is replaced by the practice of making money dishonestly. Thievery becomes king of society. The economic system falls prey to bribery, and the country becomes a kleptocracy, and chaos is the goal. The disintegration of society leads to a distorted debate between communists and capitalists. Communists claim that thievery is widespread in capitalist regimes. However, the situation in Eastern European countries emerges from communism, and it shows that in a communist regime, Thievery, bribery, that's common, if not officially established. Thus, the public is confused by these mutual accusations of thievery and concludes that the world is doomed to anarchy and chaos. In a regime where thievery is officially condoned, there's no reason to dispute between capitalism and communism. Everything becomes fuzzy because communism becomes equivalent to capitalism and vice versa. Everyone becomes a thief except for the few who still believe in God. <laughs> Laws like that approved in Italy are the first steps towards generalizing a legal system similar, again, to Italy. Sooner or later, this system will affect all nations of the world, and the end result will be complete uh, loss of public morality, political composure, and social order. The loss of it. What today's society really lacks is moral elites. It, it, par excellence, 
where families still retain a memory of their forefathers, still value their reputation for honesty, and still desire to serve as models for society. What's the only real solution? One could argue that many who rightly see the lack of religion as evil could begin to practice religion and thus slowly eliminate corruption. However, many of these same people will not take a leading role in spreading religion because they see that insisting on an atmosphere of austerity and moral severity would oblige them to change their own way of life. These people are comparable to certain gamblers. They will agree that gambling is harmful to the moral welfare of the country. However, they still gamble because they do not wish to change their ways. We need divine grace. Putting an end to the situation described calls for an essentially religious apostolate that attracts divine grace. This apostolate, with the help of grace, must really touch people's minds and souls and achieve some real conversion. Such conversions would be the starting point whereby something could be done. However, these conversions are obviously extremely difficult in times of general immorality when people are, are, are attached to the advantages of vice and what it brings them. And they have little propensity to abandon their bad life. Up next, I want you to hear a short little clip from Dr. Jordan Peterson, especially for men, on motivating men, unleashing your inner power. Then I'll make some comments after. We'll be right back. Stick around. Don't go anywhere. Welcome back to the Terry and Jesse Show. To join the conversation, call 888-526-2151. Now, here's Terry and Jesse. The last thing that I want to mention uh, about uh, the last topic is how are we going to put into this political corruption and briberies is we need apostles, genuine apostles amongst politicians, kind of like what uh, Abbot Jean-Baptiste Chittard said in The Soul of the Apostolate. We need politicians to be really endowed with the interior life desirous above all to see the accomplishing god's will uh and there must be apostles amongst politicians who draw others with their example and move people with their word and strive to make the laws of the state in accordance to those of god's law and uh, and and this way we can change people's behavior in short the the action of authentic apostles amongst politicians can really touch these souls and if these souls correspond to grace, they will convert. Remember Our Lady of Fatima. Our Lady of Fatima in 1917. Uh, how do you convert a, uh, a contemporary man? You must pray and do penance. And let's not forget Moses broke the Ten Commandments tablets to demonstrate to the Hebrews the gravity of breaking God's law. And, uh, and he addressed God saying the following in Exodus chapter 32, verse 31. He said this, quote, This people has sinned a heinous sin. And they, have met, and they have made to themselves gods of gold. We need more Moseses uh, in, the, in, in the world of politics. Up next, I want you to just listen to Dr. Jordan Peterson. There's a short clip, but before we go to him, I just uh, want to mention that this segment is brought to you by the Catholic Resource Center. Go to catholicrc.org and explore the entire library filled with inspiring productions on the classic teachings of the Catholic faith. The entire catalog is free for $25 for those who support Virgin Most Powerful Radio, you can't get a better bargain than that. So, uh, Mr. Engineer, can you play the clip with Dr. Jordan Peterson, Unleashing Your Inner Power? 
Yeah, and the funny thing is, if you're trying to stop drinking, you need something better than alcohol. And alcohol is pretty good. Yeah. So you better find something a lot yeah. better, man. <laughs> yeah, and then it is. And then esteemable people do esteemable things. It's like, yeah, well, you want to figure out you want to figure out something that you're doing with your life that's worth not getting drunk and screwing up. Yeah. Part of the reason people drink alcohol is to get rid of their responsibility. I mean, that's, you know, you hear people drink because they have problems. It's like, yeah, yeah, no. Some people drink because they're anxious, and alcoholics drink because they're in withdrawal. But young people drink because they're sick and tired of being responsible, because it's annoying. It's like, so I'll drink enough, I won't care about the medium to long-term consequences, because alcohol, that's exactly what alcohol does. It doesn't make you ignorant of the medium to long-term consequences, but it makes you not care about them. You know, you might say, well, why do people drink too much? It's like, if you like alcohol, that's a stupid question. Right, it's like, why do people drink too much? Well, because it's great. Yeah. You know, it's like, okay, so why stop? Well, you do stupid things when you're drunk. You hurt yourself. You, you compromise your health. It's really hard on the people around you. You tend to turn into a liar, and it screws up your life. Yeah. It's like, yeah, but it's pretty fun. Yeah, well, it is, but you need something better than that. And what's better isn't being straight and, 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 and not making mistakes. It's like that's all prohibition in some sense. What's better is, no, you need an adventure, man. You need to get out there and have something to do yeah. and, and something worth waking up for. And you need, that's the substitute for the addiction. Actually, the addiction is the substitute for that, if, if truth be known. If you are an effective writer and speaker and communicator, you, you have all the authority and competence that there is. The best thing you can do is read and write every day, a couple of hours every day. Write about things you find important and see if you can see if you can discover what you believe to be true. And that'll build you a foundation. And it's unbelievably practical. Like if you look at people who are phenomenally successful across life, there's various reasons, but one of them is is that they're unbelievably good at articulating what they what they're aiming at and strategizing and negotiating and 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 enticing people with a vision forward. It's like, get your words together, man. That's, that makes you unstoppable. Get your words together. Make yourself an articulate creature, and then you're, you're deadly in the best possible way. Read great books. Really, man? And you've got these unbelievable libraries that are full of the writings of people who are, who are intelligent and articulate beyond comprehension. And, you know, and, and you can go there and you can learn all this. And you might think, well, why should you learn it? There's nothing more powerful than someone who is articulate and who can think and speak. It's power. And I mean power of the best sort. It's authority and influence and respectability and competence. And your highest skill is to be found in articulated speech. And if you're, if you're, if you're a master at formulating your arguments, you win everything. And better than that, when you win everything, everyone around you wins too. Because to transform yourself into, let's consider, consider your transformation into something approximating the logos. It means you shine a light on the whole world. Well, there's nothing more exciting to do than that. There's nothing better you can possibly do. You transform yourself into something that's articulated and sensible and grounded in history and knowledgeable and wise, man. You can do anything you want and hopefully anything you want for good. Because if you have any sense, everything you want to do would be for the good because there's nothing more compelling or meaningful or, or useful in combating the tragedy of life than to, than to struggle with all your soul on behalf of the good.
you know, I really seen the benefits, for example, for weightlifting, because I've watched people, because I'm 58, 50, how old am I, 56, I've really noticed the difference between people and when they age, um, between people who laid down a good physiological platform when they were young and those who didn't, because by the, if you haven't worked out weights, particularly, I yeah. would say, you start to get pretty soft in your 30s and your cardiovascular system starts to go and really early. The other thing too is the best thing you can do to maintain cognitive uh, ability isn't to do exercises like lumosity. It's not brain exercises that keep you sharp, it's exercise. So if Physical. you're 50, both cardiovascular and weightlifting, if you're 50, you can restore your cognitive function to the level of a 30-year-old through exercise. You're, through physical activity. Yeah, well, your brain is a very demanding organ. And if your cardiovascular system is compromised, then you get stupid. And wow. so, yeah, it's really... because so the less I, you I, move and the bigger mm, you get, the more stupid you become. Mm, 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 yeah, well, Smaller because your you, brain you, gets well, you compromise, you compromise its function. Because the brain is, it's, 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 it's the organ that uses more, it's, it's very metabolically demanding. And so if you're not in phys good physical shape, then the, one of the things that suffers most greatly is your cognitive function. No one can live without a routine. You just forget that. If you guys don't have a routine, I would recommend like you get one going because you cannot be mentally healthy without a routine. You need to pick a time to get up, whatever time you want, but pick one and stick to it because otherwise, dysregulate your circadian rhythms and they regulate your mood wow good stuff uh i could see that man becoming catholic real uh, real soon his wife i think is on the way to the catholic church i think she's going to be received or, or she's been received in the catholic church so dr jordan peterson he's a, he's a protestant of some sort i'm sure uh he hasn't said but he's definitely on his way to the catholic church the way he talks because those are catholic principles that he's laid out in his, this video is called, it's worth watching the whole thing. It's called Unleashing Your Inner Power, Four Habits for Unbelievable Strength. And so he, he talk, here's the four habits that he talks about. He says, <clears throat> you got to find a meaningful purpose. Number one. Number two, he says, build strong foundations. Number three, maintaining cognitive function. Number four, sticking to a routine and prioritizing tasks are essential for personal success and a better future. Everything he says is completely congruent with Catholicism, completely, and 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 just with common sense. As Catholics, there's there's you'll hear the the great uh, the approved authors in moral theology. They'll say that what's every lay Catholic's job is to perform your daily duties according to your state in life. That's every lay Catholic, every lay male or female. We're called to perform our daily duties according to our state in life. And Dr. Jordan Peterson's that every man has to find a meaningful purpose. Well, I'll tell you what's the Catholic Church has already answered that first in the Baltimore Catechism years ago. What's the meaning and purpose of every single man? Despite what you're doing right now, I, oh, I work for the post office, I'm in the army, uh, you know, I'm a secretary for a CEO, Fortune 500 company, I'm a, I'm a homemaker, I'm a, I'm a stay home mommy. I'm retired, uh, I'm retired daddy, or grandfather, whatever you are. The meaning and purpose of our life is to know, love, and serve God in the midst of our vocation. Know, love, and serve God in this life. And when we die, and die we will, to spend all eternity with him in the next. And so what, whatever your duty is and your state in life, make sure that you are a witness for Christ. 
Make sure that you're a disciple for Christ. Make sure that people, that you're a neon sign for God, that they know that this man is a Roman Catholic Christian that takes his faith seriously. The second thing Jordan Peterson said was building strong foundations. Well, as a Catholic, that's pretty easy. Our foundation has to be built on the rock, which is Christ. Christ is our sure foundation. Uh, The teachings of Holy Mother Church are our sure foundation. The sacraments of Holy Mother Church, this is our sure foundation. God's holy word is a sure foundation. The sacred tradition of the church is our sure foundation. So that's an easy one to respond to as a Catholic. Building strong foundations. Build your foundation upon Christ and his church. Everything has to revolve around that. The third thing that Jordan Peterson said was maintaining cognitive function. And he says, uh, you know, read, 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 read and write, read and write. I agree with him. Catholics, we have to read good books. We have to write. We have to pray. We have to rest. And also don't use mind-altering drugs. He's big on that. Don't use mind-altering drugs. Don't live a life of, of, you know, perpetual intoxication. And uh, read good books. St. John Bosco's told us that. St. John Chrysostom has told us that. Uh, St. Alphonsus Liguori. Read good books. But the best book that we should be reading every day, just snippets every single day, is God's Holy Word, the Holy Bible. As St. Jerome says, ignorance of Scripture is ignorance of Christ. And as St. Teresa of Avila says, uh, she says that, uh, uh, that the Bible, she says all the problems of the world would be, would be uh, eliminated if men would just read God's Word and take it seriously. And the last thing Jordan Peterson says, stick to a routine. Yep. Catholics, build your life around prayer, morning, midday, and evening prayer, not the other way around. Stick to a routine and follow it. A a protocol of praying at least three times a day and also prayer before meals. Hey, that's a wrap. My name's Jesse Romero. We're off to the weekend. God bless you. Hope you have a great weekend. We'll see you next week. Same Christ time, same Christ channel. God bless you. Keep the faith. And remember, keep your eyes on Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. Pray for our clergy, pray for our bishops, our pope, and our priests. And remember, perform your duties according to your state in life. See you next time.